is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, my host, Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, we have a Matt Law World Cup date ready to rock. That's right, we somehow finagled some time for Matt as he is hanging out over in Qatar. Matt, welcome back sir it's been a minute yeah 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 live from doha this is my hotel room as you can see extremely glamorous but uh mm-hmm. it's comfortable it's been home for two weeks it could be home for another three weeks or it could only be home for another week or so so let's see depending on how england do i know we'll get into that but nick this is classic world cup that a group where you think england are cruising could come down to all the tiebreakers in the world with them uh iran and wales all on four points on the last match day <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, we, we have a lot of thoughts about Group B that we're going to get into here. But um, yeah, look, uh, we're, we're excited to kind of hear about all the happenings on the ground. Uh, we, of course, are going to talk about the nil-nil victory and or defeat for the England-USA <laughs> match. Uh, and then we'll talk about performances of other Chelsea players, maybe get into a few club updates uh, at the end and make sure that we uh, we have everything covered off on Dan in a nice bow for the holidays. Well, that's the plan. We came back from our American Thanksgiving uh, full and uh, hungry for, but now hungry for more content on the topic of world football, not uh, American football, which uh, Brandon and I talked about before we started recording. Uh, Patriots are jobbed. Uh, you're welcome. Just, uh, we got this real nice shame. <laughs> Tough. Well, we'll keep we'll keep this one on task because we a lot uh, uh, some some shouts. Obviously, continue to join us in Patreon that World Cup uh, group is is flying if you're looking for people to hang out with that also are looking at it through blue tinted glasses uh continue to rate and uh leave reviews on apple podcast apple podcast and spotify but big ups dan is it uh we finally after a lot of work um between the three of us quite honestly we have our store up and running we've got merch i'm wearing the hat you've got the hoodie i got the west london's wizard tee on uh, we did it, and there's a Black Friday sale that we even rocked for a week. Well, Black Friday Cyber Monday sale. I mean, you got you got to you know, it's it's really an event. Uh, it's the kind of the five days from Thanksgiving all the way until the Monday. But yeah, uh, Black Friday uh, is the code. You get twenty percent off purchase, and uh, there's a lot of great stuff in there. There's hoodies, there's hats, there's the coffee mug that people have wanted for forever. People, so people have wanted this coffee mug for so goddamn long, and you know what? We gave it to them. There's even a sneaky. <laughs> new logo on the back of it if you want to go check that out the most important thing about this store is that you're going to get your stuff in a timely goddamn fashion because we're not the ones doing the fulfillment anymore and uh, we're really excited about that for a lot of reasons but uh we got our stuff in you know less than a week when we did our pre-order for it uh it's turned out well we're really excited for it so uh matt we're sending you just the boatload of stuff you can wear as all the London is blue garb that you want down in Qatar, hoodies especially. <laughs> They'll love it here. They'll love it here for sure. Won't, won't get through customs. Yeah, Matt's going to leave it behind as a care package. <laughs> All right. Well, Matt, let's let's kick it off right away. You're you're in Qatar. How has the World Cup been for you so far? I believe you've covered other World Cups. Um, obviously a lot of people know about the kind of readiness to host the event and how maybe it has compared, like I said, to the other ones. Yeah, look, it's, um, it feels different. It's a little bit strange. There's not the quite same carnival atmosphere around it. There, there are, you know, in the last sort of five, five days, you've noticed more fans around the Argentines and the Mexico Mexicans near me are probably the most prevalent. When they're out on force, it feels more like a World Cup than normal. But 
usually when you're away at a World Cup, it hits you everywhere you go. There's the colour, there's the fans, there's the parties everywhere you go. That's not quite the same here for, for lots of different reasons. Um, so it does feel different. But but what I would say, it's it's not... It's uh, it's not all bad. It's not all bad. I wouldn't want to paint it as, as some sort of drag. The the, the travel is very good. Uh, the food's actually very good over here. Um, and like I say, you can find World Cup fever. It just doesn't hit you all in the face everywhere you go. But you can, if you want it, you can find it. And like I say, when certain nations are playing, it's more prevalent than other times. So it's different, but. I, I wouldn't want to paint it as all bad or anything like that either. It's just the heat that hits him in the face, Nick, when he walks outside. Oh, just uh, Vegasy, Matt. Oh, mate. The, the the strangest thing about it, even more than in Vegas, is that the, the the difference between outside and inside. You have to carry a jumper with you everywhere you go because outside it's boiling hot. In the evening, it's actually quite pleasant. Um, but the aircon inside here, it's even worse than like Vegas. It's freezing inside everywhere you go. So I literally, with my bag, walk around with a big woolly jumper on, and it's on with a jumper, off with a jumper, on with a jumper, off with a jumper. If I walk around, I can't really walk around in flip-flops because if you go inside, your feet are just too cold. <laughs> the, the difference is so weird, um, more than I've ever had it on that. But yeah, look, you know. It's hot outside in the day, and in the evening it's quite warm and, and nice and temperate. The, but it's not. It's not. Um, it's not. Uh, I wouldn't say it's uncomfortably hot. It's not the kind of heat where you go outside and you want to change your t-shirt after ten minutes. So Matt, kind of looking at this, maybe from the flags you've seen and the jerseys you've seen, there's obviously been what we see on TV and what you're seeing on the ground. Maybe what countries, from your perspective, have looked the most well traveled to be at this event? Well, look, like I say, Argentina and Mexico are the, the most prevalent that I've seen, both sort of around the stadiums and around the air. I'm staying in an area called the Corniche in Doha. I'm actually opposite the, the Doha National Museum, which I haven't managed to visit yet, but I will. Um, but there's obviously a lot, a lot of those nations round, round by us. The, the Saudi interest is, is really interesting. Um, the Qataris seem to have adopted Saudi as their nation to support now. I was in a our hotel actually isn't showing the games live, but they did show the Saudi game yesterday. And that was the first game in the hotel. People gathered to watch within the hotel. People on the street were, were trying to watch it through the windows. who I'm assuming couldn't watch it in their homes. So it feels like Saudi have become the home team over here and they've got a lot of support. All right. Well, I, I mean... Again, it's always funny because based on the matches, Nick, and who's there, you always have like different ways to celebrate. But it has seemed like there's been a lot of fans adopting other countries and being there as well, which brings that multicultural kind of celebration that is one of the positives about FIFA. That's kind of why the World Cup exists a little bit, so people can kind of intermingle and hang out and uh, you know have a, a, a side team that they are, are kind of interested in you know, throughout the tournament. I know that we're all uh, kind of rooting for the Canadians uh, over here to kind of get some stuff done. It looks like they're having a bit of a tough time right now. But um, I, look, Matt, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask about some of the, you know, kind of more present uh, stuff that's happening over there between uh, whether there is going to be beer or no beer, whether there's, you know, a ton of controversy around uh, armbands um, and, and other such storylines. Are there any things that you're picking up right now that are, uh, kind of poignant to to speak on as as it kind of the World Cups evolved over the first week. Yeah, I mean Gareth Southgate the other day called it the tournament of noise. Um, 
and and that's kind of what it has been it's you you can't i mean you can't just focus on the football it's it's kind of impossible um because it was very prevalent to england because they were one of the the seven nations who had adopted the the one love armband we've done an awful lot of coverage around that we spent the best part of a first week sort of that dominated the news agenda um it was a, look it, it's a debate over whether it was the right thing of all the the countries and the FAs to to not wear it after the sort of FIFA threats. And they were unspecified threats. I mean, people didn't know whether it was going to be yellow cards, whether it was going to be points deductions, whether it was going to be even captains not allowed onto the pitch, which I think then would have resulted on teams not coming onto the pitch. So it was very confusing. There's a big debate on that, um, which I can see both sides of, quite frankly. Um, so that that dominated for a long, long time. We've obviously had issues around the migrant workers and everything that that brought with it before the tournament and during the tournament. I know that some people have done pieces going out to the cricket ground where the migrant workers are actually have their own sort of fan part to, to watch the game from. And it, it's very clear when you're over here that most of the staff and most of the people sort of who are in working positions are some sort of migrant worker i've got to say lovely people people are so polite here the workers and the staff that you meet you, you don't meet an awful lot of qataris because the population of qataris is actually really really small um and so most of the staff and the people you interact with are, are kind of what, what you would term migrant workers um and they're lovely people they're really friendly they're really helpful they're actually really proud of what they're doing as well i, I would want to stress that um and they, they try to do it certainly to the best of their abilities um and then, yeah, I mean, today, one, one, one that you guys might be, be keeping up with, just before I literally came on this show, there's now a massive row going on between Iran and USA over a, a flag the USA put on their social media um, that, that was to do with the Iran protests. There's, that's a massive game in terms of the tournament. It's going to be a massive game politically. It will certainly infiltrate the English news agenda for the next few days, but I'd imagine USA and Iran and sort of tournament-wide agenda, that, that's going to be massive running up to that game now because I think Iran have called for the USA to be kicked out of the tournament, which I would imagine won't happen. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> um, you're, you're not wrong. Obviously, um, they use the Islamic Republic um, – I'm Symbol, sorry. Right. They removed the Islamic Republic right. emblem from the Iranian flag. Obviously, you know, you have to say, did the admin and the designers do that on purpose? Did they, you know, Google to pull a flag and pull it on accident? Because we've seen the the two different versions of the flag being used in this tournament. So, I, again, it's going to get interesting, Dan. Yeah, so uh, uh, Grant Wall actually had a comment saying that the uh, U.S. soccer said it was to show support for the women in Iran fighting for basic human rights, and it was a one-time display and will restore the symbol moving forward. Uh, and then to Matt's point, uh, there obviously was the Iran state affiliate media saying that the Iranian Soccer Federation will file the complaint with FIFA over U.S. soccer posting the flag without the Islamic Republic symbol. Um and so, yeah, just, you know, more uh, to your point, uh, noise uh, that Gareth Southgate has talked about in uh, what has been uh, a series of conversations around um, basic human rights uh, as the major backdrop of this tournament. And when, when I, I obviously saw um, a lot of Iran fans at that first England game and I sort of walked into the surroundings of the stadium and there was a, a very peaceful, very nice protest going on. 
uh, by Iranian fans who were singing. They had slogans on their T-shirts about sort of women's rights and, and everything that's going on there. Um, they they jeered through their own anthem. The players didn't sing the anthem. It, it kind of hits you in the face. It's it's quite hard to process some of it. Um, very poignant and and brings it brings stuff that probably we when I'm at home I read about and I watch on the news but doesn't feel very real to me. Just brings it straight into your lap and kind of hits you in the face that makes you think about it. So yeah, it's um, as I said, it's it's a strange World Cup. Yeah. Uh, World Cup of Noise is probably the best way to sum that up. Anyways, we're going to take a real quick ad break. When we get back, jump it into the 0-0 victory slash defeat. It depends on kind of which side of the fence you're on. We're going to rewind it to U.S. England. Thank you to the sponsors. We'll be right back. If you're bored of the U.S. Netflix, why not just take it for a spin in the U.K.? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you with over 5,000-plus server options. No show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue, you can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan plus one free month. We all love to binge, but look, privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's literally no risk when you use our 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue you a refund. You can pretend the entire situation never happened. Check out my link again. That's nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue to get your subscription started today. All right, so we're on a bit of a time crunch because Nick has brunch to get to. Uh, so I wanted to make sure we touched on the U.S. versus England uh, match before, uh, obviously, Matt left. Or I'm sorry, Nick left. So uh, anyways, Nick, I'm just going to kick it to you, kind of maybe go on a, a rant, maybe give your feelings, and then we can we can run from there. I mean, Matt, you were you were at the at the match on, on Friday. Um, bit of a cagey affair, obviously, no-no draw. Uh, how did you walk away from that experience and and what were kind of the two or three main talking points that, that you were uh, you know kind of most interested in after after that clash? I, I actually my main feeling was being just really impressed with the United States. I've got to say um, I was I was I thought the United States deserved to win the game, thought they were the better team. Um, they took England by surprise. they took me a little bit by surprise. Tyler Adams, I thought was exceptional. Really, really good. I thought uh, McKenney and Musa in the middle were really good. And, you know, Pulisic, a guy who I've criticised quite a lot, he's having a good World Cup. He's, he, I thought he started the game a little bit tentatively. But then after sort of 15, 20 minutes, I thought he was very good as well. And actually, I thought played a bit of a sort of captain's kind of performance in there as well. I thought it was a leadership performance from him. So... I, I I just came away really impressed. I wasn't too down about England. I've covered England enough, long enough to know not to expect them to win every match. To not, I hadn't got carried away with the Iranian game at all. Um, I still thought that there were going to be challenges ahead in the World Cup, and I still thought I thought we would beat the United States. But I, you know, it doesn't surprise me that they they made it difficult. And and yeah, rather than being sort of upset or annoyed or anything about England, I was actually just really impressed by the United States and, and thought they've given themselves a real 
decent chance now to, to try and progress. Do you feel like England kind of went in to manage the tournament, right? They knew a point was enough. They'd already seen that Wales had lost. It seemed like they weren't really pressing for everything. They weren't trying to inflict their agenda on the game. They were happy to just kind of see it out, no cautions unnecessarily, and just kind of see where the game went without stretching themselves. Look, we've said it for a long time, and it's a big criticism of him from his critics. But, you know, Southgate is the safety-first manager. He's risk-averse. He, he'll, he'll have 100% seen that, that Wales result and, and thought that the main thing now is not to lose that game. And I thought it was really evident in the last kind of 20 minutes when maybe, you know, we only used three of our subs. We didn't put Foden on. You could have put a Trent Alexander-Arnold on to try and have more attacking threat from, from the right-back area. But if you'd have done that, putting Trent Alexander on at right-back would potentially risk losing the game because we know his strengths are all going forwards and he can have an error going backwards. And it was is very much indicative of Southgate and his approach. And what's actually been successful for with England that he put not losing over winning the match. And he was delighted afterwards. He was really pleased afterwards. Yeah, I mean, it was... I think anyone who expected there to be a dramatic result in either direction ha- just doesn't know the history of these two teams playing. I mean, there, there, I think there's been... You know, a handful of friendly victories by England over the U.S., but not in in competitive play. And, you know, I I think you probably saw the U.S. at the top end of of what their potential is in that game, especially the way the midfield and defense gelled to to kind of stop uh, Harry Kane from dropping into those little pockets of space that he loves to drop into and getting the wide players kind of out. I thought that Anthony Robinson at left back had a tremendous game, um, playing really well with Pulisic on that side. And, you know, I thought that England had probably played a six out of 10. And that's about where we ended up. I was super uh, excited and proud of the way the U.S. played in this in this match because, I mean, I think there was a lot of doubt heading into it, whether we could step up and play at that level or not. But at the end of the day, now you just set yourself up for a final match of winning in. If you don't beat Iran, you don't deserve to go. I mean, that's kind of the, the way it is now. So... I was uh, incredibly proud of the way they played. What I thought was really clever was the tactic they had on on Declan Rice. The, the two strikers kept dropping onto Rice and almost sort of marking him. And he is the outball for the defence. So the defence had to keep going side to side, side to side, side to side. And England's, England always try and build from the back, build from the back, build from the back. And they build a lot of the time through Rice. And it was really clever to get the strikers onto Rice and almost cut off that avenue. Um Good tactics, yeah, good tactics. Uh, we at the pub celebrated Hendo coming on. I don't know if you guys did too, <laughs> Nick, because we were like, oh, this is a safe play. This is great, like leadership, organization, but not dynamic. At least at Brits, no. we were like, good, it, they're they're settling at this point. To be fair, he, did, he Henderson looked surprised that he was coming on. I, <laughs> I, I didn't, I don't, I don't know if he expected to play a part in yesterday's or two days ago match. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, a little, a little weird. I'm glad we didn't see Foden. Uh, in this game, because I think he would have really given us problems because of the way he can move and shift the ball. And, uh, you know, I think the team was, was looking a little leggy at the at the end there. But um, but they put in a shift, and I'm really proud of them. And uh, now I'm going to go eat some brunch, and you guys can carry this one home. Yeah, that's right, Nick. So we thank you for hanging out with us for a little bit. Um, but, I mean, that's tournament management, Dan. Obviously, you have to get a win to advance. I mean, like the number of teams that advance on three points is just like next to none. So 
we knew we we're going to have to win one. Could have won the first one. We were in it in this one. And Should like, have. Now it comes down to winning the, the game against Iran, which they have everything to play for. So it won't be easy. Well, Iran have everything to play for. Wales have everything to play for. I, I think England and the USA, neither of them will enjoy the fact that it's come down to the last match to make sure that they secure... Uh, everything that they need from this. I mean, I think England probably, Matt, having the benefit of the goal difference probably feels a little bit better. But I I think it's kind of tight for, you know, the, uh, quote, two favorites, unquote, of the the group heading into it. I think, look, I I think England, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I think England should, you know, I'll kind of one step through. It's going to take quite a remarkably bad set of circumstances it would be an absolute disaster for them to somehow not manage to qualify through the group here now the, the i think the, the slight problem it's caused england is obviously ideally you'd like to rest some players for that that third game because this this world cup is so condensed and the games are coming so fast and it's in the middle of a season when there's not been any break before the world cup so ideally you wanted to be in a situation where you could rest players in that third game. And while I think he will make some changes, I don't think now he can make wholesale changes. And the other thing, the other problem it's caused, and I know this is all kind of looking ahead and everything, is that we've got two players, Walker and Phillips, who who sort of came into camp with, with injuries. And I think the plan had always been to try and get them some minutes off the bench, probably most likely against the USA, in a winning position with the thought of getting them a start or certainly one of them has start against Wales. Now they've both got no minutes. Unlikely either will start against Wales. Not impossible, but unlikely. And then you're going into a knockout stage where have you got them any minutes to substitute? So it's just created a little bit of um, what you'd think was unhelpful, unhelpful situations around the, using the squad, which I think he'd have liked to have done a little bit more than he'll be able to now. Um, but... The first things first, we haven't actually properly progressed and they have to do that first and ideally top the group um, to get through. So we shouldn't, as English fans, we should have learned not to get too far ahead of ourselves, I think. All right. Well, we already talked on uh, Pulisic a little bit, um, but had a great day. Two of three dribbles completed was the most. Four shots was the most. Hit the woodwork, surprisingly. Um, Seven to ten duels won. So again, he was scrapping. Three fouls won. Uh, seven passes in the final third, four recoveries, one chance created. Uh, Matt, you dropped a big piece about Mason Mount, though, uh, and kind of talking. Yeah. Like, apparently, you're still hearing frustrations and groans and moans about him. Yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot of sort of stuff directed at him again after the USA game. You know, it feels like he had an outstanding game against Iran, uh, a really outstanding game. And whatever people want to say about Iran, they're, they're ranked 21 in the world. They were very good against Wales. They didn't play well against England, but that was partly because England and people like Mason Mount did play very well. And he has an outstanding game against Iran and very little gets said by the sort of online social media noise and his critics and a few pundits who obviously were focusing on the guys who scored, which is fine. And then a quieter game against the USA a lot like the rest of our team. And yet you hear it again and it comes up again. The first thing you hear is Mount needs to be dropped and lots of criticism about So I just decided to, I really crunched a lot of data. I mean, a lot of it surrounding what his old managers and current managers and teammates have said to him, but a lot of it is just crunching the data. And if you actually go through the data that FIFA provide these teams um, 
from all their sort of technical staff and data analysts and the eight cameras I think that they have that then gets put back to the teams for post-game analysis. If you actually crunch the data on it, he was one of England's better performances on data. Now, I, I know I personally don't judge all my football through data, but you can't just ignore it. And when you've got manage, former managers, current managers, current teammates, former teammates, rival managers, when you've all got them backing mount, and then when you've got the data backing mount, you know, at some point... At some point, you've got to say, well, where's the criticism coming from? You know, where where is this? It, you've got to start to call it an agenda. Where is this agenda coming from? Dan, would you like to be team opposing Mount? Would you like to represent no, the... Never. <laughs> uh, you know, cri- criticism gets applied where criticism is due. And I don't think you can point at Mesa Mount as the failure for England not winning the game. So... No, there's no there's no kind of individual blame that I would associate there. Uh, apparently, Todd Bowley's been in the World Cup to watch some performers. Do you think uh, he's just going to say, "Yeah, that midfield, I like that. Let's uh, let's do the business." Obviously, Bellingham being the the hardest one to capture at this point, but it sounds like there's opening for Declan. That, look, first of all, they would love to get Bellingham. You know, they they will they will bid big and hard on Bellingham. It's just they know that they're not among the favourites for Bellingham at the moment. And obviously, it's only halfway through the season, but the current league position and the, the slight feeling of transition around Chelsea and stuff at the moment doesn't help their cause. But you don't know where the season will finish. And he's not going to move in January. And everyone's going to jostle for position. But he, his dis, Bellingham's decision will will come down a lot to, to a lot of how teams finish this season as well. Uh, Chelsea is still in the Champions League. They can still make top four. A lot can change and they will, I'm pretty sure Chelsea will match any bid that is made for Bellingham. In terms of money, I don't see anyone getting higher for Bellingham. Um, but the, the move won't just come down to money. But but Chelsea will be there or thereabouts. Do I expect them to go there? Currently, no. But as I said, we're only midway through a season. But it won't be for lack of money and lack of trying. Rice, he will definitely, definitely leave West Ham at the end of this season. I'm 100% confident on that. Uh, West Ham are preparing to sell Declan Rice. I think it'll be about 70 million. Um, Chelsea aren't actually in pole position at the moment for Declan Rice. So there are a couple of clubs who have who have made big plays for Declan Rice, but that's not because Chelsea aren't going to. That's just because a couple of clubs have tried to go, go early on Rice. Um, and again, I would expect Chelsea to to move on rice and again i would i would be quite surprised if anyone outbid chelsea on rice albeit as i say i think there are two clubs ahead of them at the moment and i can't say who they are i'm sorry am i being cheeky wondering if premier maybe... league clubs premier league clubs yeah i can say that yeah i, I would imagine so um is, is mason trying to tie his extension to deckers <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an interesting one you know they're, they're, they're such great mates the families are great mates they're very Package close deal. <laughs> you know there's no way in a million years pe- people aren't talking to one another when they're spending this much time together about what life's like and, and what's going on and blah 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 and I'm sure Declan knows more about Mason's contract situation than most people I'm also sure that Mason knows more about Declan's future than most people so yeah, all these things will be getting discussed. But yeah, Todd Todd Bowley was there for the Iran game. I believe he's going to be... He may well have been there for the USA game, for all I know. It's not quite as easy to spot people. You know, he he won't get his picture taken quite so freely and easily around Qatar and Doha. Um, 
but he's definitely due to be at more games and the World Cup's a shot window for everybody. And the good news for Chelsea is that Pulisic and Hakim Ziyech are very much uh, sort of increasing their value so far by both having good World Cups at the moment. Exactly. And that's what we want to touch on next. But just to wrap it up, um, look, I mean, Dan, it's going to be tight. As we say, who advances out of this group B with England, Iran, U.S. and Wales? Uh, England uh, are the odds on favorite at negative 650. U.S. second at plus 500, Iran plus 1200 and Wales plus 100,000, which again, like they're not that far off albeit they have to dig themselves a lester city story in their future (laughs) just to just to be fair but uh yeah winning you're in right that's that's the the u.s and for england just go just go get it done win and you're in i also liked the u.s chant uh it's called soccer i'd never heard that one before everybody's favorite little uh back and forth between uh, (laughs) it's soccer or it's football uh if uh, anyone was watching tv in the u.s during this weekend in the build-up to it when uh, spending times with uh, friends, family, and loved one during uh, this festive season, they were treated to about uh, 30 different iterations of, uh, of that conversation. Um, well, yes, I, I think that best case scenario, England and USA move on. Seems like they're the favorites. Obviously, a lot still has to be done, though. Uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. But again, um, US in third, England in first, uh, a lot to go. Anyways, We're going to take our second ad break. When we get back, uh, we're going to talk about the Chelsea players going around and and what might be happening uh, for the the rosters ahead of January. So, again, thank you to the sponsors. We'll be right back. All right, Dan. uh, Long list here of Chelsea players at the World Cup, which is always good to see. Big club mentality on that perspective. Uh, Spin the wheel. Where should we start? Well, Matt, let's talk about a, a... A World Cup that has gone in maybe different directions for one of the players in one country and another for the other player from that country. But we've got Koulibaly and Mendy both representing Senegal at the moment. They're currently third in their group behind the Netherlands and Ecuador. But, you know, they are sitting on three points. So it is possible that they can uh, potentially make some uh, make some movement and, and still advance. But you have Koulibaly, who's looked pretty solid in his defensive outings and then Mendy who looked better in his second match but uh, didn't look match. too great against Netherlands so um maybe what have, what have you seen between those two um yeah Men- Mendy's an interesting one I think it's a big world cup for Mendy I-, I think we've spoken about it before I've certainly written it before you know it- it's it's all come at a time where his contract negotiations with Chelsea haven't been going very well because those those negotiations have, have coincided with a time when he lost his Chelsea place and, and also his form had, had suffered at Chelsea and probably his confidence too. So it was a big World Cup for him. Um, if he's going to either A, sign a new contract or B, end up leaving Chelsea, this is a World Cup that he needs to put himself on the on the big stage and, and, and show people that the form sort of prior to the last six months is, is what he's all about. I saw that Christoph Lollishan was actually did an interview about him recently, which I thought was quite interesting. And he said, look, he's not have it's interesting. He said he hasn't been in good form, but you've got to trust this guy. This guy will come back. He's shown what, what great mental strength he's had by just getting to where he's got in the game and he will come back. Um, I wasn't that surprised he was rusty against Holland. He he would be rusty. I'd, I'd imagine he was probably a little bit nervous as well. But it's good to see him have a better second game. He needs to now have a good third game and they need to progress. Were they to go out in the third game and him, him not have really done anything, that will end up being a little bit of a disaster tournament for him. Koulibaly's look good. Koulibaly 
suits international football. I think it's a little bit slower. It's a little bit more in front of him at the moment. I think that that suits his style. Um, but yeah, the, the games and the confidence would do him good because he's another one who's, I think, confidence-wise has, has suffered a little bit at Chelsea and he needs a good second half of the season because I think Chelsea, again, there's a certain Croatian defender there that, that Todd and, and people will be looking at quite closely during this World Cup. Um, and I would expect them again to probably move in the market for a defender in the, the summer. So it's a big second half of the season for Kulabali. So to pick up some form and confidence, the World Cup would do him a lot of good. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm like getting over something and it's still struggling with me. I think it's 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 good to see uh, those two go. I, I think that they, they might advance. I mean, it's going to come down to the final day. Uh, good for them that they get to play Qatar while Netherlands and Ecuador play. Um, Thiago Silva, uh, not sure if you got to write this, this stat line. Um, the, wasn't he the first player to be the captain in three different world cups? Been the ca captain since he's 26 Crazy. of Brazil. Brazil's not a small soccer country as well. That just shows you how long this guy's been just, insane. just absolute class. I mean, insane, insane. I mean, that they looked, they looked so strong the other night when I, I watched their first game. Their attacking options are incredible. I actually thought they looked better when Neymar went off, so his injury could even be a, a blessing in disguise for them because it might solve a little a little issue, issue around him and potentially having to play him even when he, he's not necessarily the best thing for the team. I, could you imagine if Thiago Silva and Brazil win this World Cup? I mean, it would be one of the stories to to end all stories. He He won't do this. I know he won't do this, but... You know, what a story it'd be if he won the World Cup and then just retired, you know. Yeah. Terrible. The capstone moment. Exactly. Didn't I mean, come back in January. What what a way to go that would be. Uh he won't do that. He won't do that. But um, yeah, amazing. And you know, if if England go out if England were to go out and depending on what stage they they went out, it there would be a lot of reason to sort of get behind Brazil and, and really want that storyline to happen because uh it's very romantic. And, and just watching Brazilian World Cup, it always feels special. You know, you you watch that Brazil, the yellow shirts and everything, and it always feels special watching them at a World Cup. There's this, there's a magic around it. They're Dan's second favorite too. <laughs> well, I, I I thought that I actually picked them to win uh, in my pool. So uh, I, I uh, look, uh, I, I believe I, I did pick England and the U.S. to advance, uh, but uh, I just feel like brazil have better odds <laughs> to make it to the the end of this all so uh yeah we'll see what happens Brent. quickly hedging your bets on all teams <laughs> i like it uh zish matt you had alluded to a little bit earlier obviously yeah. uh i was like we don't need to include him in the script and then he showed up today and had himself a good day against belgium and now he's back in had himself in a good day against belgium i think he will be looking to leave chelsea in january i think they would love to sell him in january not through being any sort of disrespectful, but it, it, it's very clear he's well down the pecking order um, and he's a player they would hope to get some money for. And, and you know, a good a good World Cup, it'd probably only take another good performance and it, it might uh, spark a little bit more interest in him. It, it seems like the AC Milan interest may have redeveloped a little bit um, and there, there could well be other interests were he to, to keep performing in, in the World Cup, and, and that would be great news for him, great news for Chelsea. I, I certainly think they'll be looking for deals, both from the players' perspective and the club's perspective, in January, for sure. Uh, Dan, how good of a day did Hakim have? 
Uh, he had a great day, 54 touches, nine ground duels, one, three out of three tackles, one, three dribbles completed, two long balls completed, two key passes, and one filthy assist. What a that finish. That thing was, oh my gosh. The finish was great, but the just how close he was to uh, ending up out of bounds uh, and uh, his ability to run it right in and make a very tight uh, pullback pass into the box was uh, it was quite beautiful. So, and and he was excited and happy. And uh, we know under the previous coach of Morocco, he was basically resigned to not playing international football again. And so, again, if you're looking for for storylines, I think the Morocco storyline is actually a really fun one, particularly against beating Belgium, who many people would point at and say, Matt, like, why is this team continuing to not perform at the international level that you would anticipate? Yeah, just before I, I answer that, also just before the World Cup, did you see that Ziyech scored from his own half as well in yeah. their last friendly? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's clearly in some form and he's clearly enjoying it again at Morocco, which is good to see because you're right. I'd sort of forgotten actually that uh, that he had been basically refusing to play for them and being refusing to be picked because of his fallout with the last coach. That's, that is really nice. Yeah, Belgium. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne has said they've got no chance. I mean, that, that was a weird, weird interview and quote to come out with. To, to come out and say we're too old, we've got no chance. I mean, fair enough, think it, but it would suggest that there's there's problems within the camp, as well as the fact they're getting old, as well as the fact I, I think Roberto Martinez is, is probably served his time as manager with Belgium now. Um, it feels like with that quote, there's probably a little bit of not a great atmosphere within that squad, not a great spirit within that squad, people doubting each other. Um, big injuries, obviously Lukaku being a problem for them. Yeah, that they've that it really doesn't look like they're going to go anywhere. I mean, it, to be honest, if they were to get to the advance even past the last sixteen, it would be a bit of a surprise now, given the form they've shown so far this World Cup. They they just look a little bit sort of nothing, a little bit like they're just here to make up the numbers and and go home pretty quick. And I'd imagine that would be it for for Roberto Martinez's. As Belgium coach in that case, and of course there is Chelsea interest in in Belgium because a certain Anthony Barry is uh, is on the coaching staff with Belgium at this World Cup. Is he? Yes. Oh, he he's is. not listed. I see Thomas Vermeulen. We all probably remember him. Thierry Henry is assistant coaches, but now I'm wondering how up to date this even is. I'm pretty sure he is. You've made me doubt myself now. But we we did oh. an interview. The Telegraph did an interview with him last week, and I'm. Uh, I'm pretty convinced he's part of that Belgium setup for this World Cup. Well, Dan, Dan will sniff it out. We'll figure it out. But yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, Belgium are really letting down kind of the the football world as far as like, they don't seem like they're really up for it. To your point, the camp, they're not fighting for each other. It's a lot of arms up in the air. And and I, I look, I know they had a pretty good run in, in the Euros and obviously the last World Cup, but it just it seems one tournament too many for for Roberto Martinez. And you kind of have to go back and say again, as FAs have to manage these things, like you really have a short shelf life as a manager because you only get so many touches with them. You start to hear the same message over and over. There's not a lot of progress. There's no catalyst with with these. And like I think Belgium have gone stale because it's just been the same old. And I I don't know, but it seems like I feel like a lot of those player personalities probably kind of run the show in the dressing room, regardless of what a manager says. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think they, they they know they've missed their chance. I think the the last World Cup and the Euros were their two chances. They had a, quite a good World Cup, albeit I think it was a bit of a disappointment back in Belgium that they didn't go further. The Euros was actually a really big disappointment for them. And and now they've you're right, they've gone stale from top to bottom. They've gone stale. I'm I'm told uh that there is a good generation 
coming through there's but that they're they're too young at the moment it's not like a it's almost a generation after they, they needed a sort of generation in the middle between their golden generation and their next generation and they don't have it so they're just stuck with the really old guys and then really young guys who aren't quite ready yet but maybe that there is some i know there's a, a theory in belgium that in four years they might be in, in quite a good place for the the world cup when it comes to you guys all right. Well, we'll have to stay tuned. Uh, but as it stands, I mean, again, Croatia and Canada playing right now, it is two on Croatia. So if they get all three points, they'll go to the top of the group. But it kind of looks like Croatia and Morocco, obviously Canada battling to, um, you know, show that they're here to compete after not having been in it for literally ever. Um I mean, we can talk about Spain next. Uh, a, a, a back to a strikerless system full of Aspie. goals. Yes, I went and saw Aspi. I went and saw. It was great. I went to the I went to the Spain camp, um, which is over at the university, which is a long way out of the city. It's not easy to get to. They are they are staying in the middle of nowhere. I mean, they have a. It's a beautiful university campus, and and the the accommodation that they're in is not the sort of run of the mill student accommodation. It looks like really nice accommodation, but they are literally in the middle of nowhere. But Aspie was in great spirits. It was really nice to see him. Um, he's spoken loads of different languages, spoken English. You answer questions in French. He was obviously answering most of his questions in Spanish. He was talking about being the elder statesman of this very, very young side, this very exciting, vibrant side. Um, they look in a good place. And again, let's talk about another storyline. The man who has won it all at club level. Imagine were he to go and win a World Cup with Spain, which, you know, doesn't look that beyond the realms of possibility, the way they started the tournament. What a storyline that would be. Um, and I would love it for him. I would, you know, along with Thiago Silva, no more deserving man to, to do something incredible with his country than, than Aspilicueta. Um, he talked about how his first ever Spain appearance, Spanish appearance uh, was against Uruguay in, in Qatar, in Doha. So he felt there was maybe a little storyline around that to come as well. The, the sort of start and the finish storyline. It was great to see them. They've got a great feeling around them. I, I think the only doubt around them is whether the inexperience catches up with them or the lack of a, a sort of out-and-out -out goal scorer. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a vibrancy around Spain. They're definitely one to watch. Well, and they had a, a very good first match against the Costa Rica team who uh, beat Japan, which was not uh, what we were expecting, maybe necessarily considering Japan's uh, early result against Germany. But I mean, Spain, obviously, with the seven goals in that first match, and Aspi created the most chances. He had great pass accuracy. I, I mean, he just looked like a central cog in it. And for a player who's usually been second choice or third choice or not even selected for this Spain team in the past, you know, uh, four, eight <laughs> plus years, this, I think, is a really nice story for Chelsea supporters, for Spain, for Asby himself, Brandon, in terms of just being able to maybe at the, the later eight, end of his career, get this opportunity, get this moment to show up on an international stage and be a, a key part of the, the 11. It yeah. feels a lot like he is for Chelsea. he's been for Chelsea in the last few years as well. It feels like he is a guy in amongst a very, very talented young team who knows how to win, who knows how to set standards, who knows how to keep people on the rails, who knows how to be the glue to bring it all together. Exactly what he's been for Chelsea over this last few years when when maybe he's, you know, in the last couple of years, 
you could argue his, his influence on the pitch hasn't been quite as large at Chelsea as it has been, but his influence off the pitch has been huge. He's bringing all that together now for Spain as well. And, and like you say, for someone, even when he's been with the Spain squad, who, who might have felt like a little bit, a bit of a bit part guy in, in that squad, he's now actually a senior guy who's absolutely crucial to those, those youngsters. And the fact he's won so much at club level and, and has that experience is going to be massive for them. And I'm, I, this may well be released sort of after the Germany result, but, you know, I'm going to come off this call and go and watch them against Germany somewhere where it has a big screen. And I can't wait to see that because Costa Rica kind of ended up rolling over for them in the end. And Germany, this is a massive game for Germany. So this will give us a great sight into to what Spain are all about. I, I would agree. Um, and, and that's the next one is that, you know, Kai's Germany flat on their face uh, against Japan. I think Japan won with 26% possession, something tiny where they like won with the lowest per- possession percentage in the history of the world. Mourinho Cup. would be very proud. <laughs> Mourinho would be extremely proud. Um, you know, but the, obviously they need a huge bounce back. So again, I mean, what's it going to be for Kai and, and Germany? I mean, we're all, I think, going to go watch that after this too and see. So, um, well, a huge shakeup that, um, yeah, I mean, Spain, it'll be a good litmus test for them. Germany are going to come out knowing they need all three points. It should be cracked. It should be, but I've, I've got a bad feeling again about the German. I just, something doesn't seem right about the German team. And look, I'm going to get a load of stick for this, but the way Rüdiger did that funny running thing against Japan, and that was kind of, we've seen the, the best of Rüdiger for so long, and that was kind of the worst of Rüdiger doing that stupid stuff and being kind of arrogant with it and it coming back to bite him in the face and something just doesn't feel right about the journey. I could end up with egg on my face by the time this comes out. They're probably going to beat Spain 4-0 now, but I didn't like the look of the Germany team and the Germany squad coming into this tournament and the Japan game just kind of really strengthened my feeling around that and that they they need something big to to lift the feeling around them. Yeah. Well, uh, again, if nobody, <coughs> excuse me, nobody pre-recording is going to be like, oh yeah, Germany for sure. Right. So, uh, I, I think you're safe there. I uh, can confirm Anthony Barry did join the Belgian, uh, coaching staff part-time. So uh, you made me doubt myself there. You made me doubt myself. I got you. Yeah, I, I got I you, it. Matt. Don't, don't worry. You should actually, if you didn't see it and I'd, I'm not on here to advertise, I'd, I'd be saying this, whoever he did the interview with it was a colleague who did the interview for the telegraph. If it's with a different paper, I'd say, fantastic interview on the insight of of what Anthony Barry actually does does at Chelsea and a lot of sort of just detail really good interview go and dig it out if you can okay great good plug I like it um Kovacic Dan I mean I think we just selfishly would like him to return to London as soon as possible (laughs) but uh they are currently beating Canada as I said earlier so um it looks like they might jump to the top of the group yeah, it would be very interesting. Well, I mean, they would, they might be a level on goal difference, so it's you know one A one B, right? Like they're oh, yeah, yep, yep, in that capacity. So unless they, uh, well, actually, they'd be behind because technically Morocco is a plus two. I was looking at goal difference. This table is organized terribly, so I apologize. You were correct. They are at one point currently. They go to four level with Morocco, but uh, the goal difference would put Morocco in the. In their favor. Well, and and Matt, this would be the uh, you know scouting for uh, for the center back that you mentioned earlier, Gravardial, mm-hmm. potentially uh, mm-hmm. an option for Chelsea uh, as the the double swoop that people are thinking that could happen with the the Red Bull uh, from the the forward line and from the back line. Yeah, Chelsea would definitely like to do it. There's no doubt about it. If if they could do it, they'll they'll try and do it. You know, they, they've 
liked him for a long time. He's been scouted by the, the club before the new ownership, the, the new ownership like him. I'm told that the people within the recruitment setup that's, that's coming together um, like him. I think they'll watch him very carefully at this World Cup. But yeah, they'll, they'll, I'm pretty sure they'll be trying to do that deal. Again, not for January, um, I wouldn't have thought, but for, for the end of the season. Um, the only thing with the World Cup is whether it increases values and competition and, and things like that. Although I think he has a release clause, but it might might uh, it might increase the the competition for him. But yeah, he's he's 100% strong on the radar. Yeah, I'm glad we named names, Dan. You know, because if we just had an unnamed defender, people can be thinking Dejan Lovren, probably. I mean, <laughs> no, thank you, no, thank you. <laughs> you notice how I let you guys name him because I have I struggle with his name. I'm going to have to practice that one if he if he does actually. Oh, I think I pronounced it incorrectly again. Well, too, hey, so uh... maybe 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 head to camp, check it out, let us know. Uh, yeah. Ask ask Mateo. Get a voice note from him. Uh, you know, we can we can get it out there. All right. Well, that's the World Cup roundup. But, uh, you know, while you're off gallivanting around Qatar, Matt, uh, Chelsea are back at home doing some business. And out of nowhere, and thus you probably knew this was coming, Trevo said, sure, I'll extend it again. Didn't he just extend, like, the season under Tuchel, his first season under Tuchel? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's all very in line with this kind of keeping the young players and the academy graduates rewarded, keeping them on the, they're rebalanced. I've, I've written about this before about the rebalancing of the wage bill and getting people who they feel deserve to be higher up the wage bill, up the wage bill and trying to get others off the wage bill. Um, even if it means taking a little bit of a hit transfer fee wise. And this is part of that. It's another six year contract. I think it comes to, but in the end, so that they're very keen on these six, seven year contracts, if they can get players to sign them. Uh, worth noting that under Graham Potter, Trevor Chalabar is the outfield player with the most minutes, even more than Mason Mount now. Um, so Potter obviously likes him. He didn't obviously start the first couple of games under Potter, but with Fafana's injury gone on to do really well, very unlucky actually not to force his way last minute into the England World Cup squad, I thought. Totally deserved, totally the right thing to do. Get these kids feeling valued and not feeling like they're sort of the the underclass to the the big signings as well. Yeah, good. Deserved. We got some good bants on Instagram here, Dan. Yeah, well, this was the on the announcement to it, Thiago Silva replying on Instagram, you'll have to run mine until 2028. <laughs> the, the prayer hands emoji. And I, I don't think many Chelsea supporters would be unhappy that if uh, he did get uh, a little bit more of an extension here. I was just going to say, of course, Thiago's in the, the mention section, uh, also extending his as well, Matt. I mean, you, uh, you love to see <laughs> Silva getting yeah. involved. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised his wife hasn't got involved actually as well. She likes some Instagram action and some Chelsea banter on Instagram usually. But yeah, that, again on Silver, interesting after the World Cup, how that how that goes because everything about moving to Chelsea to start with it was about getting to this World Cup, doing doing what he could to get to this World Cup. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see what happens to him after this World Cup, particularly if Brazil were to win it, because can he go again? I mean, you wouldn't put it past him. The guy's a machine, but can he go again? I got in trouble, actually, with Chelsea fans just before the World Cup, because I think his performance levels dropped off a little bit. But uh, but hopefully it will return after the World Cup. I mean, you can you can assume that. I feel confident, Dan, after he comes back with a trophy. No, yeah, if he comes back with a trophy, uh, you know, maybe maybe his back will be a little bit more sore. 
than <laughs> uh, when he left. But uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, I mean, it will be interesting to see which country does uh, advance with it. Um, any quick updates on Mason's contract? Obviously, I think everyone said they're going to wait till post World Cup, which makes a ton of sense. Yeah, look, Mason's contract. There have been a lot of talks, um, not an awful lot of movement. Um, I think it's been positive, though. I think that even though there's not an awful lot of movement, I, I get the impression that things aren't going badly. Talks are going quite positively. Um, the relationship between Mason's people and the, the new ownership, I'm told, is good. Um, I think some of the talks got a little bit held up before the World Cup due to certain people with the ownership being away and being all over the place. So the, some of the meetings that they'd have liked to have couldn't ha be had before the World Cup. Those will be definitely had after the post-World Cup. The issue, the issue for all clubs with any player in a contract negotiation or a transfer situation around the World Cup is obviously good performances add zeros. They don't take off zeros. You know, bad performances or, or sort of uh, indifferent performances won't take off zeros, but good performances will certainly add zeros. So, you know, Mason Mount's performance against Iran, for instance, uh, would have certainly upped the ante on the contract talks. I don't think a, a more quiet game against USA will necessarily take anything away. And, and should he go and score his first World Cup goal against Wales, then let's add another zero. Do you know what I mean? It's going to, it's only going to cost Chelsea money this World Cup. It's not going to take any money off. Um, <laughs> my my thought is he will sign a new contract eventually. I don't have any huge fears about that. I think it could rumble on a little bit, but certainly very quickly after the World Cup, I think the talks will will resume very very quickly after the World Cup. Uh, yeah, I was talking to someone about that too, Matt. It's like the World Cup will not hurt Mason, right? He can only gain a stronger Correct. position. And again, you can also say with the U.S. game, like the whole team sat back a little bit. So it's not like he was the bum amongst, you know, a brilliant performance. Um, and, and so I totally get that. Uh, Dan Pulisic rumors hit the newswire a little bit this morning, actually, with a bunch of Premier League teams apparently uh, taking their shot for him in January. I mean, you you would not send him to a club that you are going to compete with for a top four position this season. So, like, the idea that he would go to United is is ludicrous to me. The idea that he would go to Newcastle or any of these other sides Arsenal, is just yeah. the, the, dumb. Arsenal, yeah. The duo American with Turner. They're, they're dumb stories, Matt. And they're, uh, you know, I, I think it would be more, if he went, you know, maybe like a permanent move or maybe trying to find him a place where... He would call home, but I don't think Chelsea would sanction a move to a direct rival for these top four positions. Not in January. They would sanction a, I think they'd sanction a move to one of those clubs come the end of the season. So that that would then have to um, spark a decision of whether they hold on to him for the rest of the season and then look to do one of those deals for the end of the season or whether they find him somewhere in January that, like you say, won't cause them cause them a problem. I mean, if ZH were to go in January, maybe there's a role for Pulisic until the end of the season. But a good World Cup for him is a good World Cup for Chelsea because it gives them options and uh, brings an interest, which I think they would they would dearly like to spark. Like I say, whether that be for January or the end of the transfer window, uh, the end of the season is is probably more difficult to judge. They'll certainly get have a chance of getting more money out of a, a Newcastle, a United or an Arsenal than they would off the continent. Um, but as you say, that they would be insane to uh, let him go to one of their top four rivals, the position they're currently in. Again, Abramovich is offered up transfers that weren't 
ideal at the time in return for long-serving legacies. We got to see what Bully does. He doesn't have that kind of connection. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, and then lastly, it looks like more of the kind of uh, support staff is is coming into frame. Um, I forgot who it was, but maybe a little bit of criticism saying too many cooks in the kitchen. How are they actually going to structure this? I mean, what's your take on on the the scouting and technical and sporting director roles? Well, I keep saying this whenever I come on the show. I think it's probably to do with the fact that he ended up being sacked by uh, Leipzig, that there's some sort of legal wrangling going on there, shall we say. But Vivelle will be the last one to to get confirmed of that for now. And that that will happen. I, I keep thinking it will happen. And then it, it gets prolonged a little bit. But like I said, I think that's to do with the nature of his departure uh, from Leipzig. I am told that quite recently he's been in London. He's He's been around the club. So, you know, that 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 is happening. That's the thing that will, I think, certainly for now, complete the recruitment structure. Um, once that re- recruitment structure is completed, I will hopefully be able to write a piece uh, explaining exactly how that, that structure is going to work. Um, certainly come on here and explain how that structure is going to work. But for various reasons, um, I I I. I can't quite go into that detail until it's completed. Um, but there is a plan. And it's like the, the, the basic theory is a think tank. Is a, they, they, they diverted from an original plan to try and get one sort of big name, known guy. I think it's very well known that they, they looked into Michael Edwards. They looked into a few others. Um, and then that, that plan, once they couldn't do that, changed. And they looked at different models and decided that they would go down having a, a think tank option. And the challenge will be, and it's too too early to say too many cooks and all that thing, but clearly the one challenge of that think tank will be um, whether everyone can sort of pull their ideas together without egos clashing or without ideas clashing too much and, and, and make it work. But there's no reason why they can't. I've spoken on here before that I like the balance of it. I like the fact that there's... There's overseas balance, there's English balance, there's people who have worked with Potter before, there's people independent of Potter before, there's people who have worked in multi-club systems before, there's people who have worked within big organisations before, smaller organisations before, there's people who seem to be uh, more at home looking for, let's say, transfers under the radar and others who are more at home probably in some of the bigger deals. It's got a nice balance to it. It's got a nice balance to it. The challenge will be pulling it all together. But until Vivelle officially signs, there's no point sort of speculating how that will work. When he officially signs, I will hopefully be able to tell you in detail how that will work and, and what the plan is. Brighton are pissed, Dan. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I, I don't know if they're pissed because they're getting compensated they're for fans. everything that's coming our way. But their fans definitely... Uh, I don't know though. They're they're level effectively with. I mean, they're ahead of Chelsea on goal difference right now, so they're probably looking at it as like, okay, we're still getting the job done. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this lo- is what this is what happens in football anyway. You know, Swansea fans will have been pissed that Brighton took Swansea, Swansea's manager and all his stuff away from Swansea, and it's just how football works. It's annoying if you're one of these fans, but you know, you can complain that I can complain as a Villa fan that Chelsea come and take Chuck Wemmicker off Villa. But Villa are going off and getting youngsters off clubs sort of below. But, you know, there's a there's a food chain. There always has been. It's been the way of football since Man United in the 80s and 90s and all that kind of thing. Well, I think we're doing a good job with Chuck Omeka. We just got to keep him fit. But he's getting more minutes than I think probably any of us <laughs> guessed at the beginning of the season. Yeah. 
uh, uh, look, I'm <laughs> I'm not speaking as a bitter Villa fan here, but I I would argue that Chukwemeka, it's not been a good move for him so far. He's got very very few minutes and should have had should be somewhere where he could get more minutes. And I would hope to see him go out on loan in January, unless it's going to change drastically around him because his career he needs to be playing football. He 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 was getting towards playing a lot more football than this where he was. He, he needs to play football. So he, I, I think he should go out on loan in January, but it might be that there's a plan for him to play way more first-team minutes than he has been up till now. Um, and there's going to be more cup competitions, so maybe yeah. that's not. Yeah, that's right. We're going to return to the World Cup with, well, more cups. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it shakes out. Anyways, Matt, hope. He, he's, uh, he's, he's played 15% of the minutes he played uh, at uh, Aston Villa uh, in the Premier League uh, last year. Yeah, uh, 21-22, which is... And the reason he didn't want to sign a contract to start with at Aston Villa was he was claiming he wasn't playing enough football, which is clearly a load of rubbish. Well, um, Matt, we're so glad to get to chat with you. Uh, Hope you continue to enjoy the World Cup. Um, We're still in group stages, right? So we're getting just like overload with results and games and things happening, so... Yeah, it will start to space out a little bit quite soon once once the groups are finished and kind of be a bit easier to keep on top of. I, I actually, funnily enough, you guys are probably watching more of it than me. I think I've explained to you before when you're with England, for instance, today's game, Belgium, Morocco, I couldn't watch it. I, I could catch little bits of it, but I was off at a Marcus Rashford interview with England and having to travel in and out of camp there. So you guys are actually better for a fuller perspective than I am, actually, even though I'm on the ground. Well, 4 a.m. kickoffs, not so much, Matt. <laughs> I get or 4 a.m. <laughs> well, I get 4 a.m. call to prayer here every morning at 4 a.m. I'm I'm woken by call to prayer, That's which right. my and I like it. The, my body rhythm has adjusted to this, and it's it's actually a really beautiful. I'm I'm going to get serious on you here. It's actually a really beautiful sound, and you get woken up by it at four o'clock. You kind of think to yourself, okay, it's four o'clock. You listen to it. It's quite beautiful. It finishes. You go back to sleep. My body rhythm. I'm going to have to get an alarm clock with the call to prayer on or something for when I get home. Like those sound machines to help fall asleep. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, Dan, it's here. I mean, we're 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 almost at the end game of the the group stage. So uh, hopefully, we get more updates from you, Matt, uh, as England and the U.S. advance, and uh, we can have another conversation from Doha in the next episode. For sure. As long as I'm still here, if England go home, I go home. Yeah. <laughs> That is true. All right. Uh, we'll stop. Uh, hopefully you're not picking on Naz too much while you guys are there and, and you're all getting oh, I along. Am. I am. <laughs> Having fun. Murder, uh, don't worry about that. We'll get him on to get his perspective of the record as well. <laughs> so thank you so much, Matt. Again, enjoy it. Stay safe and, and more to come. Anyways, Chelsea fans, uh, more pods. We have a youth update. They've been playing as well. Uh, more from the women as well. Plenty of Chelsea content happening in the World Cup. But until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>